This morning, I want to draw your attention to two things that have just happened in the service. One is the collect for the day. I'm always fond of saying, if you look at the collect, it always gives us sort of a little hint of what the theme is going to be for the day. And it's usually the sentence right in the middle. The collect usually opens with sort of a flowery, formal kind of address to God and closes it the same way. But the sentence in the middle today says, Grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ. That we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity. The mystics and the theologians of the church also refer to it as participating in the divine life. The scripture this morning from Ephesians talks about us being adopted by God as his children. And children have the most intimate of relationship with their parents. When we talk about this, one of the ways that many of the saints of the church, especially in the early centuries, put it was to say, we shall become by grace what God is by nature. We shall become by grace what God is by nature. Now let me be clear, this does not mean that any human being is going to become God any more than I, Lee Walker, am going to become my dad, Jimmy Walker. But I did come to share and participate in the life of my father and my mother because of how deeply they shared with me and gave of themselves to me and asked me to participate in that. I also want to draw your attention to the gospel reading this morning. Very famous story of the three wise men, the Magi, who come seeking Jesus Christ. It's called the Epiphany. It'll be happening this Thursday, and the gospel reading this morning is sort of a foretaste to prepare us for the Feast of the Epiphany. And remember, Epiphany is a word which means when a deity either reveals themselves or when someone intuitively suddenly has some kind of mental or spiritual breakthrough and goes, aha, now I understand and see something in a way that I have never understood or seen it before. The oldest name for the Feast of the Epiphany is the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. We talk all through Christmas and Advent about God sending His Son into the world to the chosen people, the Messiah born into Israel. But even in his infancy, this very important feast day gives us a hint that what is happening in the incarnation of God's love in a human being called Jesus of Nazareth, it is for more than just Mary and Joseph. It is for more than just the shepherds or the person where they stayed who owned the property where the stable or the animals were sheltered. It is more than just for the people of Israel. It is for all the world. And it is for more than just the planet Earth. The eighth chapter of Romans, often read at funerals, talks about how the entire creation groans and travail as a woman giving labor to give birth to this new existence and this new life through the grace of God.
Now, having been told in the collect that we are being called to share and participate in the divine life, mortal though we are, and in this reading which talks about what happens in the person of Jesus Christ is for more than just any one person, it is for the entire community of creation. Who is this being whose divine life we should share in? I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I, I love Christmas. I love all the traditions. But by this time of the year, I'm just about cuted out on chubby little babies being bounced on the knee of the Virgin Mary and the little elves and the chubby little cherubs and all this kind of stuff. It's also sweet, but a bit saccharine. And we are talking about the God of creation, the God of eternity, coming to us in this child. The, the transcendent, the one who is beyond our understanding, coming to us, for those of us who live in the computer age, in the most user-friendly way possible. Coming to us as one of us. What could be easier to relate to or to understand? And yet, who is this that we are relating to? By the end of the Christmas season, I'm filled with all sorts of joy and belief and faith and love and wonderful renewed friendships with people. But sometime with all the holly and Christmas leaves and lights and, and that sort of thing, I lose a little bit of sight of the fact that glorious as holding that baby must be, it's more than just something I hold in my arms. Who is this God who offers us his life to share and participate in and benefit from? I was raised in a way and in a community that did not see science as the enemy of faith and religion, but rather as one of the tools by which we can explore the Creator's world and how the Creator acts and one of the things that excited me so much when the Hubble telescope went up and we were able to see things in the universe that we didn't even know existed. And one of my favorite stories, you may have seen this in various documentaries, they took the Hubble telescope and they aimed it at a section of sky for several weeks and it was a section of the universe where nothing had ever been seen before. Not a photon of light, just complete darkness. And to give you an idea of how small the area was they were looking at, they were trying to figure out if we aim this powerful telescope at this black space in the universe, would we maybe see a tiny glimmer of light? Is there something out there beyond what we've been able to see before? to give you an idea of the immenseness of this universe. Hold out your hand and look at your thumbnail. We're all socially distanced. You're not going to hit anybody in the back of the head. Hold it out. Now, I'm not talking about those of you who grow long nails. I'm talking about from the base of your nail to the tip of your thumb. Look at the size of that and divide it in half. Hold it up and think of that as aiming at the stars. Think of being out in Joshua Park where there's no light pollution. You can see the Milky Way. You can see the stars. You can see everything in the heavens. And that tiny little piece of your thumbnail, think about how many 
hundreds of thousands of those tiny pieces of thumbnail it would take to cover the sky down that we cannot see because it's beyond the earth, the universe up here, and they aimed the telescope at that for weeks and took photo after photo and put them all together. And when they put them together and analyzed them, they found that in this empty blank spot that no telescope could ever see into before, they discovered not darkness, but 10,000 dots of light. And when I read that, I thought, 10,000 stars that we didn't even know were there. But when they studied it more closely, they found out that 10,000 dots were not 10,000 stars. They were 10,000 galaxies, each of which had at least 100 billion stars. And when I read that and was sort of, wow, knocked back by it, I remembered that scripture that says, not a sparrow falls from the sky, but that God doesn't know about it. I had always just thought about every once, you know, a little kid growing up, it's hard enough to figure out your own life, and then I figured out there's a mom and a dad and a younger brother and a family dog in this house, so it's more complicated than just me. And as I got older, I found out my neighborhood is a lot larger than I thought. It's more complicated than just me. And then I found out there weren't just Texans. There were people all over the United States. And there wasn't just the United States. There were countries all over the world. And now I'm finding out there isn't just the Milky Way. There's more galaxies than we can count. God really knew what he was saying when he told Abraham, your descendants shall be countless, as numberless as the stars. I wonder how many sparrows or whatever kind of animals they may have on other planets that God knows, even as I'm speaking, have fallen from the sky. Just as he knows whether my heart is depressed or joyful. It's hard for me to comprehend a mind that could keep up in detail with the lives of those of us sitting here in this parish church. But everyone in the world, over seven billion people, and we are but one world of countless trillions, and I do believe there is life on many of them. Now I'm saying that to remind you, yes, yes, the Christmas cuddliness with the baby, but what is it that is incarnate there? It's not just a simple God who pulls creation out of a hat in seven days. That's just a simple story to help us understand the intricacy of the mind of the Creator that put this universe together. And when God, who has infinite wisdom and always knows exactly the right way, when God says, I want to reveal myself in the most perfect and understandable way to my people, the humans of earth, what does he choose? Does he come floating down out of the clouds with all these angels and his throne and pyrotechnics on the stage and who knows what? No, he comes as a baby. As someone that we are asked not to prostrate ourselves for, but to pick up and take care of and love. And as it grows to learn from him until he begins to preach the gospel. Stop and think about that. What an extraordinary, awesome God 
we have to call our own. And in this story of the Magi, we are being told, whoever you are, saint or sinner, Jew or Gentile, black or white, male or female, slave or free, whoever you are, come before this child. And as this child grows and lives and acts and speaks, follow him. Remember, the earliest name by which we Christians were called was not Christian. That was a little later. The earliest name by which we were called were, we are the followers of the way. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We are to follow him. Well, how do we follow him? Well, first of all, if you're going to follow anybody and model your life after them, you have to know that person. Many people I know when I say to them, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you understand who he is? Do you know what he taught? Do you know how he lived? And I'll hear them say, well, of course, Father, I've been a Christian all my life. I know all that stuff. No one human mind could even begin to contain everything that the incarnate God of majesty is, everything that Jesus taught. So what do I say to those who are either new Christians today or were born into Christian families and raised Christian? No matter how long you've been a Christian, there is more to learn, more depth to discover, and you can't do it by yourself. He calls us to community. He says husbands and wives, spouses and partners talk to each other. Parents talk to your children. Friends talk to your, to your neighbors. And neighbors to neighbors. Learn from each other. Read the scriptures. Come to so many either online or in person. Excellent teaching that is done in this parish and in so many other places available to us where we can learn more and more about Jesus because we are being called to follow him so that we may come to participate in the divine life. As a child, I had so many adults who told me, be a good boy, be a good Christian, so that you can go to heaven. And it kind of made it sound like if you score enough points, you'll win if you get a minimum of 70 out of 100, and you'll get to go to heaven. And I had this vision of walking through pearly gates and golden streets and all that. But I'd been to Disneyland, and after a while it gets boring. You know, if heaven is just going to be Disneyland, good Lord. No, the church teaches heaven is not a place. It is a state of being. And it's called holy union, where we reach the point by God's grace, not by our own doing, but by his love and his mercy, where we are so close in intimate love to the God who is love, that we come into the kind of holy union that is image to us in marriage. There's so much imagery in the Old and New Testament about God being in a marriage-love relationship. And those of you who have known loving couples, who have been married for 10, 20, 70 years, you know how often people will say, you know, I knew them before they were married, and 50 years later it's hard to tell them apart, they've grown so much alike. That's what God is asking us to do. Come follow me.
And by doing as I did and acting as I did, that very way of living is going to transform you. You may remember a few decades back, it was quite fashionable among many of the teenagers and young Christians to wear these bracelets or medallions that had the letters on them, WWJD, which stood for, What Would Jesus Do? And it was to remind them Every time they faced a moral problem or felt like expressing road rage or screaming at somebody who cut in front of them at the movie line or whatever, to stop and think for a moment, that's what I would do. But what would Jesus do? And how can I do that? And how can I come to accept God's love so I do it not just to score points, but because I love God, I love Him in Christ so much that I want to be what He calls me to be. I'm one of those people that I look at the TV and the news media today and I think to myself so often, what is happening in this world? I've never seen my country so divided. I've never seen people saying such ridiculous things. I've never seen so many people who say, I'm a Christian, behaving in ways that seem to me quite opposite from Jesus. And of course, what is Lee Walker's first reaction? My first reaction when I see people causing problems in the world is say, you, you stop doing that. You, you change your life. You, you reform yourself and I forget that what I need to do is go stand in front of a mirror and say, Lee Walker, you let Jesus Christ change your life. You learn more about him. Because you see, I can't control your life much as I might want to. I can't control my own life for the most part, but it's the only place where I do have any control. So I want to start there. I can't even think of changing the world until I have let God's transforming love change me. And if I want to change the world, start with me. Start with yourself. It is an old axiom of the church that especially in this day and age where our churches are not as filled as they used to be, and we know many people out there who need the message of the gospel, but they're not going to come to church even if we invite them. So the church reminds us, your life, the life you live, is the only gospel some people will ever hear. When you go out into the world, remember, you say you are a Christian, Take Christ into the world, not just your idea of Christ, but what you have learned in community and through scriptures of the Christ. Let your whole life in this coming new year, if you want 2022 and every year that follows to be better than what we've been through, let your life be a living witness to the gospel. Not necessarily by getting out and going, oh, Jesus this and Jesus that and waving a Bible, but living what Jesus said and living it because you know that's what he's calling you to. I will close by leaving you with one thought from St. Francis of Assisi. I have it engraved on an aluminum plaque by the front door so I see it every day when I walk out into the world. It's a statement he often made to the friars that studied underneath him, 
before they would go out to serve the poor and the destitute of the world. And that statement is, go forth and preach the gospel. And if you must, use words. <laughs>